So 220 customers paying on the low end between 18 grand a year on the high yep. end half a million a year. I mean, if we assume a $3,000 average ARPU, that puts you guys at something like 600,000 a month or about $7 million run rate today. Is that in the right range of where you're at? We're going to exit much higher than that above 10 this year. This year but, you'll break uh, 10, you think? Yeah. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Matt Gorniak. He's the CEO of 3Kit, 3D and augmented reality visualization software for products. He leads the company by building effective go-to-market strategies, teams, and partnerships. Prior to 3Kit, he served as CRO, Chief Revenue Officer, and was co-founder of G2, a leading marketplace for business software reviews that has raised over $100 million. He's also head of global sales leadership positions at Steelwork and Big Machines, cloud configure price to grow CPQ platforms that were acquired by Salesforce and Oracle, respectively. Matt, you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. I'm, I'm amazed how much you can compact into this. This is great, Nathan. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll have fun. So what, what got you go from software reviews to visual commerce? Explain that leap for me. Yeah. I mean, there's actually, as you met my uh, my business partner, Goddard Ebel, and there's actually a couple of us who have done companies together led by him, you know, uh, anyway, but there's actually two threads, you know, G2, as you spoke to him was, I won't go deep into that, but that was more like scratching an itch of like, Hey, how come this is happening this way? And, you know, I know you're really keen on the entrepreneurial stories and that's one of those like, wow, like, why is this not fixed? Why is this not fixed? But there's like another thread in parallel as we're like to build companies, which is company, big machines got sold to Oracle and steel brick to Salesforce. Those were, you know, basically product configuration companies. So kind of like, how do you sell complex products? And that's kind of where 3Kit falls in. So um, who's paying for the product today? Give me a customer example, if you can. Uh, TaylorMade, let's say. TaylorMade golf dri- uh, uh, drivers. And, and maybe they'll give me, let me give you the insight of what happened to us. Because I, I find the best ideas come from seeing things, you know. I, you know I, I also talk to uh, entrepreneurs and and ideally, it's something you have an understanding of, right? You don't have to be an expert, but you see some patterns. And the pattern we saw in the configuration space, so think of our customers with big machines as like manufacturing company, they need a quote for a very complex product, right? This is like 2005 and six with big machines, right? Okay, you put this together. Well, what's it look like? Well, we can't show you. It's too complicated. Okay, that's early. You're like dismissive. You're like, hmm, maybe one day people want to see the product, you know, but it was sort of like, not a must have. And then when we got to Steelbreak, we got into Salesforce. Um, I was there for a couple of years with Goddard integrating this. You start seeing this demand. And this is really obvious, Nathan, honestly, but it's one of the things you have to need signals. People start demand to see the product. Like, let me give you a specific example. When you go on e-commerce websites, right? Well, Matt, so can we get more specific? Can we talk about one of your current costs? So Crate and Barrel uses you. So let's be really specific. Sure. You're trying to buy a couch on Crate and Barrel. What are you? What is 3Kit doing to help Crate and Barrel? Yeah, so visualize the product digitally. So, so think about you have every product that microphone that you're talking into has many, many um, options. And when you go on the website or create a barrel, you have couches. Those are complex products. They have to be visually beautiful. You want to see the actual couch. 
And therefore you have to see all the images of all the options. And therefore lies the problem. Most, so that's, we help them. We had tailor-made with, with golf clubs. A golf club has a hundred thousand options. It's just different colors. It's just different grips, just different shafts. But really what that means is if you want to represent it, you got to do it digitally. Otherwise you just have a picture of a club, a picture of a couch, of the microphone. And that was sort of like acceptable, like, but started, we saw the trend right before COVID. And after the pandemic, it's like, wait a minute, I'm online. Let's see that microphone. I just chose a blue one. I'm making it up with a sticker. Maybe you want to personalize it, Nathan's special microphone. How come I don't see that? How come I still see the stock one? And that's kind of the, the thing we're solving. Understood. So yeah, just to be clear, you're buying a thousand dollar airy sofa on crate and barrel. There's a bunch of metrics you can change. How big are the cushions? What's the fabric material? What's the hardware finish? What's the color? You change all these right. things and three can enables crate and barrel to show you an accurate visual representation, which ideally increases conversion rate. What are these brands paying you, Matt, to use the software today on average, maybe per month or per year? Yeah, it, it differs very much. I mean, like we have an SMB segment. We want to democratize this. And so it's really primarily based on scope. Like our SMB customers are much smaller. They have one product, let's say, and they're typically starting points 18,000 a year. Okay. Big brands, just in general, where the scope is just massive, you're talking 100 to half a million. So your biggest your biggest customer paying around half a million a year. How many like are they are they paying based off number of SKUs or like what's the utility metric right. you're against? It's like a tr total transformation. Like yeah, all it's SKUs mostly like basically the scope is just giant, right? Whereas like an SMB customer, they have one product, right? You could have one, you know, not even a microphone. A lot of them make like let's say a dog crate. We have a great customer making dog crates. And how do you sell a high value? Usually these are high consideration items because. You kind of want to understand, you know, if I'm changing things, what does it look like? It's a high consideration. So in that case, the impact dog crates, right? The wonderful uh, um, dog crates in that case to bring them to life. You know, they're a very small startup, really. You need digital. But understood. That's, that's so that end. the democratizing, you get started at about a thousand or two thousand bucks a month, all the way up to you paying five hundred thousand bucks a year who are yep. total change management, you know, yep. hundreds of SKUs, thousands of options, et cetera. That's right. Millions, actually. Millions, Millions of, options. of options. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And put this on a timeline for me. What year did you write the first line of code for the product? So the platform, so that actually is a cool story. The, to make this work, you have to kind of bring two worlds together. So basically, Ben Houston is the founder of the company. He started 2012, and he was a top supplier of visual effects to Hollywood. So like movies like you know ILM or, or movies like Star Force, Force Awakens, T-World Utilities, he got a lot of credit for that. And then in 2015, he met um, a couple of folks from a small company called Shopify who joined the company and they said, hey, let's make this for e-commerce. So the, the, the knowledge, the, the sort of the, the, the IP has been built over many years, but the platform itself is three and a half years old. So we kind of, when myself and Goddard got into the company, we brought in with us, you know, the family and now we're 120 people. We decided that, hey, let's, let's scuttle, you know, basically let's create a brand new platform headless. Let's reimagine all this. So, so the code is written three and a half years ago on the platform, although the IP, like the math, how to do that, it's been building up for a while. So that's okay. really and, and cool ben, And Ben would say founding data is 2005 even. So he's been thinking about this for a long time. It sounds like. That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. Interesting. So is Ben still active at the company? Yeah. He's our CTO, our founder. And that's kind of the wow. marriage, right? You, you need the product complexity, which we brought from us from all these years of experience, all the companies I mentioned, 
in this beauty, like the ability to generate picture-perfect representations at scale, that's where the platform came together. Yeah, so he's very much with us here. He's a thought leader, by the way. He should have him on a show, talk about where where this this whole world's going. Um, it's really cool, too. I mean, he's got an angle completely from visualization, which is really fun. Um Fun to listen to. And then it gets getting, getting, you know, fast forwarding to today, right? So how many total customers are you serving today across these four or five different segments? Two, 220 okay. um, and obviously growing. And where we're seeing is really interesting. The, again, not, I'm telling you no news here with pandemic, this is starting to become like major FOMO because, um, yeah, I think people are realizing like my product just doesn't exist and the metaverse and NFTs, by the way, just to give you some fun buzzwords. <laughs> That's obviously like way out there, but it's really challenging the brands and manufacturers to think like, wait a minute, if I don't, if I don't have a digital product version, a, it's better to send a real product. I mean, if you can experience it online, place it in the AR and then get it shipped, that's awesome. But also in the pure digital world, let's let's just not even I mean, wherever you want to go with this, but is it far, far away or just some far away? I'm not even ready for like web 2.0, what's happening with web 3.0. So it's really fascinating to to see that pressure the fomo because the one that unlocks it you know in a space they're getting outsized returns essentially it's what we're seeing and that's kind of that's kind of um, a fascinating place to be right now so before we dive i want to dive deeper into metaverse stuff but i want to finish the regular non-metaverse yeah. story of okay, yeah. it, right so so 220 customers paying on the low end between 18 grand a year on the high yeah. end half a million a year I mean, if we assume a three thousand dollar average ARPU, that puts you guys at something like six hundred thousand a month, or about seven million dollar run rate today. Is that in the right range of where you're at? We're going to exit much higher than that, above ten this year. This year, but, you'll break uh, ten. You think? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Are, and what sure. would that if you hit ten million in run rate this December? Where were you last December? So we can calculate a growth rate. Yeah, I mean, we're we're guys. They're going to double or triple this year. So. Um, well, those are very different. Doubling and tripling are very different. Well, it depends on big deals. Deal. Deals are getting bigger. You know what I mean? Okay. So that kind of depends. We're still in the mode where we're going to be way north of 10. But like I said, um, we have a plan together. We're, I mean, we're happy with what we are. But like I said, you know, as, as this is accelerating, you know, we'll see. All right, the numbers aren't that big yet where a, a few big deals make a difference, you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, you know, obviously it sounds like, you know, if you're at 5 million last year, you finish this year at 10, that's doubling. Maybe you finish even bigger than 10 million, which would be closer to tripling, which is great. But taking back to that magic moment, do you remember the year you guys passed a million dollar run rate? Yeah, that was a uh, second year. And that's always the hardest, you know? Well, what because... is the second year though? 2013, 2014? Um, we got in there, uh, well, technically the first platform, I mean, we're, I'm sort of ignoring the, we had some early customers before the platform. It was the second year was 2020. Okay. So 2020. Yeah. So that would have been sort of right after you raised that series a, you broke a million dollar run rate. Correct. And that's kind of where we brought in and really made this, a, a, um, I would say a SaaS business before this, it was pre-platform it was essentially you know a bunch of cool utilities for visualizing e-commerce and we're like well that that won't scale and that, that was the plan to begin with i mean mm -hmm. that's no surprise do you guys care about valuation right now specifically your valuation do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company there is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than founderpath's new valuation tool we have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days. All the revenue numbers, all the valuations, 
and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products. That's plural forward slash valuations. Again, both plural founderpath.com forward slash products forward slash valuations. Now, before we jump into metaverse stuff with our last five minutes, you you have, you obviously haven't bootstrapped. I think Godard was one of your first checks into the business, actually. How much have you raised to date and when was the last round? So we actually, that, that's kind of what you heard from as well. I mean, the first seat kind of we did as a family, like our own money into it. And that was then 10 million in 2019, right? That's right. And then um, we just raised 35 million last November. So we're, we're 65 million in, in all in. Yep. And, uh, yep. And how do you set the valuation on that first 10 million? Friends, family, Godard? I mean, how do you set a valuation? Yeah, you try to do it well. I mean, you, you want to market in a sense, you know? I mean, um, I mean, also, there's, I mean, you kind of, I mean, you're basically pre revenue at that point, right? I mean, that's a huge seed round. So it's really going off just your experience, which you guys have a ton of experience, by the way, right? That's right. I mean, you want to be really fair to everybody. You know, I think, I don't know, like at some point, you, you kind of see, uh, see what market is. Uh, I don't know. I mean, at some point, it's everyone's happy with it. Obviously, the founder's happy with it, pre existing shareholders. I would say that one is kind of, you know, based on experience. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The rest is and- market based. Okay, guy. Yeah, I was gonna say. So, market for Series B these days, you're selling between ten and fifteen percent equity in the business. Were you guys sort of in that same range? That's kind of. I think we, we follow the traditional path. Yeah. Okay. All right. And now, I think what was cool about the last round, we also got you know strategics involved, like ServiceNow and Salesforce, and uh, well, Salesforce was with us even prior round, but ServiceNow was cool. Kept Gemini, um, so that was fun to see him in there. I think that was kind of the appeal, like beyond e-commerce. Like let's visualize products across. I mean, in some ways it's very obvious. Like I want to see the product, whether I buy it or service it or um, anyway, just a little tidbit there. That was kind no, of- No, no, uh, it's helpful. Fun. Was it? And that was all primary capital, right? No secondary in the 35 million? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. By the way, I mean, if you're selling 10 to 15% raising 35 million, that's like a 300 million valuation with around 5 million in terms of run rate. That, I mean, you guys, that's a healthy, that's a 60X multiple. That's a pretty healthy multiple you got to grow into. Yeah, no, I would say the space is big, you know? I mean, if you look at it, yeah, it's a big space. I mean, yeah. it's, um, yeah. Okay, talk Metaverse. I, we only have three minutes left. I want to talk Metaverse because I actually think this is like way more interesting than what you currently have built because the hard thing about Metaverse is actually hiring animators to build experiences. You basically can build experiences on demand because you built this algorithm to create all these variations with one core base set of inputs, right? What's the Metaverse play here? Well, I would say like, I would, you know, so let, let me just take a step back. We we help brands and manufacturers. Like we are a piece of the metaverse. I actually, the best way Nathan think about us, we're the on-ramp to the metaverse. But truthfully, if you take a step back, also one more click back, if you want to do e-commerce, B2C, B2B, let's just say, or, or transform your business or your brand. Again, we work with folks making forklifts and then very fancy handbags, right? So we, we cover it all. And, and, you know, we talked about Crate and Barrel and TaylorMade here. Um, the ability to bring that product to life, it's a very specific experience. So the metaverse is a creator economy in some ways, which is you can come up with whatever you want, right? You, you, you draw things, you, you can create. But if you want these products to exist in the metaverse, they have to be very specific. With that, you have to visually configure them. That's sort of what we're finding. So the metaverse is an amazingly big vision. Uh, the first stage is e-commerce. Are you ready for that? And 99% of the companies we work with, Nathan, are not ready for even e-commerce. They have e-commerce presence, but they don't understand how to bring the products to life right now. 
I mean, I just think for this though, for like where I think this is very interesting is the product isn't actually the physical wood crate and barrel uses for the bottom of their couches. What's interesting is if I buy in Snoop Dogg's metaverse, the land next to him, and I now want to furnish my house, I'm actually just buying the licensed crate and barrel design generated by three kit, picking my cushion cover, the distance and sticking it in my living room next to Snoop Dogg and his metaverse that actually becomes the product, right? So there's two paths, right? You, you, you do have a digital product. Maybe you want it shipped, right? I mean, it could be, or it's a pure digital for digital, which has like teeth on the, the side of the couch. It becomes a pure digital brand, totally. but still there's configurations, options. Maybe you want to personalize it. Maybe you want to make an NFT out of it. And so millions of options create. That's what we're seeing, right? Digital to real, because the, the brand's manufacturers have one advantage that can make you the product. So if that's a strategy, right? Which is you're in Snoop Dogg's house, you're configuring whatever you're configuring. And then, by the way, I want to buy it or buy an FT of it. Or it's totally like random, right? Like um, a table with fur on it, right? And something wacky. And you'll never, ever buy that. But it's cool. It's your digital brand. It's your digital asset. And that's the interesting thing, I think, about the, again, 99% of folks haven't even done Web 2.0 yet in our world. But when you go into that world, it's like, who are going to be the brands who actually rule that? I mean, you could have, as you already happening, you and I can come up with the brand that's digital and that's like the considered a luxury watch for all I care, you know, yeah, but it's a yeah, pure digital watch. Yeah. And that's kind of the fascinating thing about that world. Like who's going to own, who's going to have a brand. We'll, we'll see what happens in the meantime, though, one, one or two more questions here before we wrap up with the famous five. Um, obviously net dollar retention is critical when you're selling to the enterprise. Are you guys above 110, 120% today? Yeah. And what we're seeing is that's right. So above above 120%. Just that's to be clear. right. And okay. that's right. And what you're seeing is basically, when, you know, the, I'll give you an example. That was a public case study with TaylorMade. I mean, that club that they powered with, they made their sales number in two months for the whole year. And the reason is like, you take the mumbo jumbo out of it. It's like, I can finally see all the club options and get the club I want. I get the club I want. I will not return it. Why would I? It's the one I want. That's kind of how that works. And well, that's so great. I mean, that's a, that's a testament to the product. But then the second thing is, how do you actually capture the product value in, in, in terms of expanded ACV on that account, right? Well, because there's many, many products, right? So obviously, that's a conversion play on that product. Well, there is other products that you have. And that's typically how this happens. Yeah. You do know, you give your CSMs like on the TaylorMade account? Do you give them a, a net dollar retention target? We do have a target, but not a revenue target. Like they're not gold on on making more money. They're they're gold on making the customer happy. And yes, of course. Um, quantified by what though? I know everyone says happiness, but you have to quantify it somehow. Yeah, it's still early. I mean, like the you know they buy more, they're happy. Obviously, we do uh, NPS scores. Okay. There's a bunch of metrics in there. Um, yep. I'm just saying we're not comping them on saying hey, get in there and start selling more. It's about obviously getting the, uh, to to the ROI, get to the outcome. For them, obviously, it's all about helping them grow and then good things happen. But yep. there's hard metrics around it, just not revenue targets. Makes sense, them. Matt. All right, we're out of time here. Famous five, quick answers. Number one, favorite book? Um, favorite book. Ooh, I should have known that. Um, hmm. okay, let's go next one. I don't number know. Two, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? You know what? I um, I learned a lot from Godard, I will say. but. Um, and, uh, but I would say like Elon, Elon is just wacky to watch right now. I don't know what's like, it's just, I don't know that I, I know what's going on, but it's just, it's a fascinating time in history right now with what he's doing. And I don't know that I, I would say I follow him, but I kind of, just, his moves are just interesting to watch, you know? Number three, favorite online tool for building a business. 
Honestly, I think LinkedIn is is immensely powerful. Um, number 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 four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Probably six to seven. Okay. I try to make that a priority. And situation: married, single, kids. Married, one uh, daughter. So very cool. And how old are you, Matt? I'm forty seven. Forty seven. Last question. Is that old or you young, wish- Nathan? That's young. That that's young. Old? Something you wish you knew <laughs> when you were twenty. Um. You know, I think I think the one thing that I uh, I would tell myself is, and I heard this from other folks that have done this before, growth happens over time. But I think when you're 20, you're so impatient. Some actions that seem to not immediately create action, like like a, a result, the investment feels like oh, I want it faster, and it creates a lot of anxiety. And in hindsight, if you do do the right things, kind of like a garden, I guess I just didn't believe it. That made no sense to me. I mean, obviously it may not work out. That's why we're going to celebrate our milestone because whatever percentage don't even get above 10, but it does work out at some point. Good people doing good things, good decisions, but it created a lot of anxiety for me. I wanted that quick answer, you know, like, let's go. Like, what's the magical move? And there really isn't one that I found. If you find one, call me. I'd love to know. There you have it. 3kit.com launched in 2012, where they got going in 2019. Now, 220 enterprise customers like Crate and Barrel who pay 3kit to show their couches and all the dimensions, the colors, the hardware types on the on the bottom feet, all that jazz accurately in a digital first world. The company will break 10 million bucks in revenue this year, up 2x over December, where they had a $5 million run rate and raised their $35 million Series B. 120 on the team today has looked to scale, also thinking about potential metaverse play. We'll see what happens. Matt, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan.